are live on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. Happy 4th of July to those in the United States. Hello to everyone else. Happy belated Canada Day, if I can speak correctly. I am surrounded by Canadians, so we will celebrate belated Canada Day today. My co-host, as always, is with me, the great Jerry Mancini. And Jerry, on this episode, we'll talk a little bit about Italy's triumphant quarterfinal victory over Belgium, taking out the number one ranked team according to FIFA and ending that golden generation of Belgian football. And we will look forward to a matchup with Spain coming up uh, in the semifinal round. We'll also talk a little Serie A. You know, you have transfer rumors goings on here and there. We want to get into a lot of that. So before we introduce our special guests on this episode, let me introduce the great Jerry Mancini. And I know Jerry uh, made an effort not to wear a hat today because you just literally got off the chair getting a haircut, right? Like you just got off the phone. Congratulations on the new haircut, sir. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> it's just nice to actually finally get a haircut. How's that? that? That's the most important thing for me. Had you not gotten one before since before COVID? Um, we were on lockdown for what? The last wow. month or two? I don't know. It's been a while. A couple of months we've been on lockdown. Okay. Okay. So... Not bad, actually, but yeah, I'm good, man. How about you? Uh, pretty good, man. I'm still, uh, I'm arguing now with these fake Spain fans, like people who, oh, they trace <laughs> like 16 lines of their family tree from Spain, and I'm arguing with people left and right. They think that they're goddamn tiki-taka side, all possession for absolutely nothing. They think they're going to take out the Italians. We're in, we talked about ending the golden generation of Belgium. We are re-entering a golden generation of Italian football, and I love how everyone is decked out today. I've got the hat on. Our guests are both wearing swag. I love the jacket that Mass is wearing, and, and this is uh, his first time joining our pod. So, Mr. Riccio, welcome to the show, sir. Mass is a Roma supporter. For those of you who don't know him, you probably already follow him on Twitter, though. How you doing, sir? Welcome. I'm fine. Thanks for having me, guys. It's our pleasure. It is our pleasure, my friend. We also have our buddy Jan is back with us. He's wearing the green kit. And Jan, show everybody at home what you're wearing, just so they know that you're trolling Jerry a little bit. He's got the Belotti. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me again, guys. Uh, it's really uh, it's always an honor when you ask me to come on. So uh, can't wait to talk Calcio. And I'm uh, I, I love Immobile too. I'm just uh, I'm just busting Jerry. And I think uh, I'm not going to be a hater against Immobile for two bad games. He's uh, he was good all the way up to here. So now before we get into that, because I do want to talk plenty of Immobile, Spinazzola. God, that was tough to watch. And, of course, uh, it goes without saying, uh, Italy will not have his services for the rest of this tournament. Roma will not have his services for a while. He went down without contact, which you always know it's bad. Anytime you see a player, especially a player who's had injury struggles throughout his career, like Spinazzola has had, whenever you see them go down without contact, grabbing the leg, you know it's not good. You kind of pray for the best. And it turns out, it, lo it looked to me on live time, and the TV commentators as well thought it was his uh, left knee. But it actually turned out to be a ruptured Achilles tendon. And, you know, th this it's a long recovery typically for that injury. Usually you see players who suffer it. I'm sure no ruptured Achilles is created equal. You know, different players recover from things differently. 
Um, but I, I tend to have seen most players have to take, unfortunately, a full season off for that. Uh, a couple of NBA players I use as a reference point. Kobe Bryant, may he rest in peace, had a, had a torn Achilles later in his career. Uh, Kevin Durant more recently. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I remember Dan Marino in the early 90s missing a season for a torn Achilles. So, you know, it's an injury we've seen plenty of high-profile athletes come back from, but the recovery time is typically a long and difficult one. So, um, you know, of course, Spinazzola is going to be missing some time at the club level and the national level, but we still have a tournament to finish, gentlemen. And let me go to, to Moss first, uh, because you're a Roma supporter, so you can speak a little bit more to his impact in his injury history. Now, we expect, of course, Emerson Palmieri to be the starter at left fullback the rest of the way, but how much do you think Spinazzola will be missed and how will he be missed? Uh He's been probably one of the best left backs all tournament. He's been creating so many chances for us. He's been terrorizing everyone on his side. So, I mean, it's a big loss. Um, but like you said, especially uh, any non-contact injury, you just want him to take the time and come back stronger because he's had a history anyway of uh, non-contact injuries, ACLs. I mean, the curse of uh, Trigoria. We're just constantly uh, losing guys to uh, ACL injuries and non-contact injuries. But uh, this is an Achilles. I mean, like you said, it's not uh, all cookie cutter for everyone. So let him take the time to get better. Um, we could hopefully get him back later in the season. It's usually six to eight months. It's really finicky. So uh, we'll see. Uh, he's going to be missed, though, definitely, especially the tournament he's been having. I was excited to see him uh, back in Roma Red on the, on the squad. So... It'll be uh, it'll be a big loss, Jerry. Um, like Mas mentioned, uh, Spinazzola had been really good in this tournament and been playing at a very high level. Even when you compare him to basically any left back in the world, had been playing at a very very high level. How much will he be missed in your eyes? I, I need to drift off here for a second, guys. Is this true? I just saw this right now. What happened? No fans of Spain, Italy, nor Denmark can attend. Euro 2020 semifinals or the final. Other Travel than restrictions, UK, I think. Other than UK residents. Like, <laughs> it was no, the no, same before. Fishy. It was the same before. And uh, when they played, when they played in Wembley against Austria? Okay. I believe so, yeah. It was the same thing, but there's so many Italians that live already in the UK that they right. still sold out that stadium pretty well for Italians. I don't know how many Danes live out there, but I'm. I know there's a lot of Italian nationals, maybe even Spanish. I'm not sure either, but but yeah, that's been the case the whole tournament, uh, Jerry. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I, I think Jerry, yeah, I think Jerry. It's because of uh, it's because of travel restrictions for yeah. the various strains and mutations of COVID. Uh, yeah, and it, it sucks, man, because obviously. If I were an Italian living in Italy and it's, you know, not that long of a flight, you know, theoretically to get over to England, I would love to go over there and watch a semifinal game. Like <laughs> wild horses couldn't drag me away from that. But I guess the travel restrictions are the only thing yeah. they can. I'll refrain from commenting on this today after what happened yesterday. I got, I got death threats, for God's sake. For Death for threats? Just, oh, yeah. I had one guy basically say i should jump off a cliff and, and oh i saw and, that tweet yeah but i say that to you every day in like casual conversation like <laughs> an, Eng an england supporter jerry uh, yeah some england guy he told me to jump off a cliff and fucking be gone everybody's misery but for spin for spinozola he's a big loss and you know what i don't care if he plays for roma when it comes to the azuri and, and not even the, not even that just the fact that anybody you see get hurt you don't want to wish any bad amongst any player in that and i think he's a massive loss 
Um, I don't know if we can overcome. I know people are going to say we got Paul Mary, but filling the it, – it's different because if you lose a guy like Barella, it probably wouldn't have been as devastating because all of a sudden you're like, hey, you could put in freaking Locatelli and he can kind of overcome that void. You got some good depth. Palmieri is replacing the best player on your team right now. Can yeah. he can he deliver nearly to what he did or kind of give some service? Uh, he, he plays Ferran Torres on Tuesday, and he's been outstanding for Spain. That's going to be a very difficult matchup. I, I personally think that Torres is going to have the upper hand, but hopefully I'm wrong. Losing a guy like Spinozola, what is this, like a third injury now? Fourth injury? Like, I, I lost Fourth, count. I think. Wow. Is he going to come back? And how same? old is he, 23? No, I think he's like uh, in his mid-20s. He's like, oh, he's, 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 yeah, he's more up there. Still, still it's bad. Wow. Achilles, an Achilles injury is just the probably right behind Zaniolo's injury, like one of the worst because look at Kobe Bryant. He had to end his career – earlier than he probably wanted to because of an Achilles injury. Now, he is, was what, 35, 36? He was in his 30s when he got the injury. So he was already a, li a little run down already, basically at the end of his career. Probably could have played another two more years had he not picked up that injury. Now, for Spinozola, still in his 20s, who knows what's going to happen now? Like it, it alters the way he plays, the way he thinks, all that. So hopefully he's able to overcome this injury. I don't know what the severity is, what 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 kind of like what the recovery is like. So I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to start speculating. But I I hope him a uh, full recovery. Him and again Zaniolo as well. But we're on on the matter of uh, Spinozola right now. It, it's going to be difficult. But if there's one thing we know about Italy, the one thing I'll say is. Although I'm saying that Palmieri isn't as nearly as poly serviceable as as Spinozola, and I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to shit on him. This <laughs> this team has every player has stepped up when they've had to. So exactly. that's that's the positive I'll say is that one player has come has gone down, and one player has come back in and has done just as a good job. We'll say so. Yeah. There hasn't been a flaw to this team yet. Even Cristante has been trusted by Mancini. Many don't like him, but you know what? We don't have to like him. But at the end of the day, we haven't lost with him in the lineup, so something's working. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget about that. Yeah, okay, Cristante. Cristante sucks. Why, why do we have Cristante on the team? I don't like Toloi. I've called him out. But at the end of the day, have we lost with him? No. All right. So, and also, and, and that's part of the magic of the selection from a good coach, because Mancini is clearly a good coach. Uh, he's had success in previous stops. He's having success with his national team. When you're managing a national team, it's not just assembling an all-star team. Like, you don't look at it and say, well, I'm going to bring up the best players based on merit. No, you bring up the players who fit your system best and who fit one another best. And so that's why, like, okay, if a guy like Cristante, who a lot of fans say, oh, this guy sucks, why is he getting a call? Why did a guy like Bernadeschi get a call? Like, you don't necessarily just call up players who are the most popular or have had the best seasons. You call up players who you think fit your formations best and who actually gel with one another best. So I think Mancini does a great job with that. Uh, Jan, uh, your take, though, on this pretty catastrophic injury for Spinazzola. And, you know, obviously we, we can talk all day about where he goes from here, but... 
where does Italy go from here come Tuesday for the semifinal? Uh, for me, he was our best player so far this tournament. Uh, not saying he's the best left back or anything like that. He's just having a hell of a tournament, and we're going to have to adjust without him. I mean, Emerson, uh, I think he's a bit sounder on the defensive side. So with, with like Jerry brought up Torres for Spain, maybe this is a better answer to try and stop him down. He's stronger, a bit more physical. But clearly, he's not as much of a playmaker, and he can't jump into the attack. But, you know, like, we do have Insigne on that side, and we saw him last game put in Chiesa as a replacement for Insigne if things weren't working. Um, I just, I, I think at this point, we just have to think, you know, Mancini's going to figure it out, and Italy's going to prevail, and I don't, I'm not that worried about Spain. I was more worried about the Belgium game, to be Same honest. Here. Like, uh, Same here. Actually, I, I picked Belgium to win. I'm getting rats for it. But like I told Jerry, and Jerry, I said it on the episode, I may or may not have picked Belgium to win the game because I was trying to pull the Jerry mush, and it worked. I don't know. I, I've gone with Italy. when I still remember the episode. It was us, Jan, Dom, and I... Don't know who the other person was. Joe? Was it Joe? Maybe, yeah, Joe, Joe came in. And yeah. I said that that podcast, that Italy was going to win this tournament. And I still, we laughed at you. You guys yeah. all laughed at me. And I still <laughs> I stick by it. I, I've yeah, had faith from the beginning, man, because it, it, they, they entered this tournament with the right attitude, the right momentum, winning games, not losing. That Think about in hockey when, when you lose – when you win seven games in a row and all of a sudden you lose one game, I always try to figure out how they lose five in a row after winning seven. Before, like, prior to winning seven, they go on to lose six in a row. I never understood the, the method to that, like how a team can drop off so quickly. And I, and I use that with Italy as well, where had they had lost maybe a group stage match, it could have really affected them because yeah. we don't yeah. know how they would have overcome that and say they lose the first game to Turkey the wrong attitude because we haven't lost a game in so long that we're not used to how we can over rebound and right away come with that positive attitude. So not losing in the group stage was massive for this team. We, to, to, to piggyback on what you're saying there, Jerry, uh, we saw it like Italy hadn't let in a goal for what, 12 games. And then yeah. when Austria scored that one goal that was offside, did you see how they looked broken for about 30 minutes? Like, Oh my God, like they, they froze up and they Austria played well. And you're right. What if they would have lost? They would have lost the group stage game or tied one when they shouldn't have. You know, like lost, tied it late. Like we could have been easily out later on because we've seen already. Like after not letting it go for 12 games, they already looked shocked when they let in an offside goal. And I think that that's helped them later on now because now, you know, the goal was scored later against the Belgium. Like that very gratuitous penalty, but it was a penalty. Like the Lorenzo shouldn't have pushed him. Yeah, but. They didn't look phased by it, you know. Even with Lukaku's like mind games or whatever he was trying to do after, it didn't look phased. So that's like, that's a possibility. You know? That's why I think the, they're gonna they're gonna bounce out of this. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna come they're gonna come to play on uh, on Tuesday. Just to piggyback off that, also, guys, like that's my biggest concern because we've never played from behind all tournaments, right? Like we've right. always been taking the lead. So it's like I haven't. We've gotten lucky. They haven't let in any goals in open play. The one that we did from Austria was kind of called back. Fine. But that's my biggest concern. If we don't keep scoring first, I don't know how they might react, right? Because we're always used to being up up one. So I think they they look like a resilient enough group. I don't think it'll be an issue, but I, I just it'd be interesting to see how they they kind of play from that scenario versus always being in the lead. 
I want to talk uh, before we get more into the Spain game, and I definitely want to pick Jerry's brain and everyone's brain on Cheeto. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the good from that two to one victory over Belgium. First thing, guys, that stands out for me is the two goal scorers in this game were a couple <laughs> of players who really hadn't been great in recent games in the tournament. I mean, to see Barella score a beautiful goal and then to see Insigne score an even more beautiful goal. I mean, that curler to pick out the top corner was unbelievable and the first half of that game was absolutely lit and you know you could argue Italy really should have had the 2-0 lead at halftime because the penalty that Belgium was awarded okay I get it by the rule book you could say that's a foul it's inside the box therefore it's a penalty but a very soft call you don't always or often see that actually called especially in a critical game like that so it was 2-1 at halftime that's where all the goal scoring came from but the Italians guys were, were really so so dynamic in that first half and unfortunately a big part of that is Spinazzola who we're not going to see again in this tournament uh, you know Chiesa created a lot of chances as well and you look at this team now, guys, and, and we, we've talked about this before, Jerry and I, and, and, you know, Jan, who was with us a couple of weeks ago, you know, the Italian national team has been doubted and really, for lack of a better word, discriminated against for this entire tournament because people just don't take this team seriously. I think they're starting to now. But prior to that win over Belgium, you heard the same arguments and excuses. Okay, yeah, you know, Italy over 30 games unbeaten. They had this many straight clean sheets, yada, yada, yada. But who are they really playing, right? They're not beating the best of the best. They're not beating up great teams. You know, they're beating up on the Turkeys and the Waleses of the world and, you know, Switzerland, even though Switzerland did take Spain to the brink in the quarterfinal. But people weren't taking Italy's opponent seriously. But then you match up with the number one ranked FIFA team in the world and you beat them straight up in a game that was 2-1 to one and a deserved result for the Italians. And now I finally start to see people looking and saying, you know what, maybe we were wrong about Italy. Maybe they could be really the class of this tournament. Now, the other team that's getting a lot of praise, and I think this team, uh, they've been fine this tournament, but they tend to get overrated in the same way that Italy gets underrated, and that's England. And we may be on a collision course to see England in the final. But, I mean, Mass, I want to pick your brain first uh, on the Belgium oh, game. Man. But uh, before we before we get into what didn't go right, what, what did you think of the positives from that game? I mean, the team looked good. I can't say otherwise. We were we were kind of had them on their back foot early on. I mean, obviously, once Pulisic went down, it kind of shifted. They were, the Belgians had to get something going. the The penalty call was soft, but I get it because you see Di Lorenzo's arm extending on the shove. I think if you would have just collided with him and not gone with the follow through on the arm, I don't think that's a call. I really don't. Um, I mean, classic Insigne cuts in right foot curler. We we've seen that before in Serie A. It's great. Uh, stressful game to watch, though, towards the end when they were pressing. Very stressful. It's uh, it's it's been a while since I've been able to to feel that kind of anxiety watching this team, right? By the way, we we had Italy give us an A plus for the time wasting at the end because they, oh. they they knew how to finesse that clock. Not not for anything. <laughs> like I've been kind of talking a lot of trash about Berardi, but he held up the ball pretty pretty well in the corner with like three Belgian players on him at one point when they had him subbed on. So, I mean, he's. I do give him a lot of uh, hate for holding on to the ball too long when he does have it, but, I mean, it worked out in our favor there, right? So I can't complain. But, uh, no, the, the team did well. I, I'm i not scared for Spain coming up. I'm really not. And we're, I think the teams are going to have to give us our due respect. Like you said, they always say we played, what, nobodies in the group stage? The nobodies took down the defending world champions in penalty shots. 
They're not nobodies. They took Spain uh, all the way. I mean, and it's unfortunate Spain were their own worst enemy. Uh, Switzerland were their own worst enemy in that PK, right? That players couldn't score, but Jan Sommer held them into the game. He kept them in there. So I think we're okay. I think we're going to be fine. I do think we're on a collision course with England, and I could just imagine what Twitter's going to look like then when that happens. <laughs> but my God, it's going to be great. Uh, it's, it's been a great tournament. You want to know what Twitter's going to look like? I can't wait for all the memes comparing English food to Italian food. Oh, right? man. Beans on toast versus spaghetti. Like, it's oh, it's going to be so great. It's <laughs> going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I really... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Go I ahead, no, I really hope... Uh, I hope we... I think we can. I hope we take the tournament because, like, man, the English pundits have been really just going in on our team. They have zero respect for us. It's crazy. Like I, I hope Italy wins the tournament, and then Gary Neville just goes into hiding. Like I, I hope he just he he has to take a year off on sabbatical just because he can't face the music. Uh, Jan, what were your big takeaways from Italy's win over Belgium? Uh, well, I mean, Mass, Mass touched on uh, pretty much all of all of the big the big points there. Uh, I think Donnarumma at the beginning of the game really showed why he's getting the big bucks when it was zero zero. And let's be honest, Belgium. Belgium had pretty much a good control of the game the first 10 minutes. And then even after when Italy regained control, they had some pretty devastating counterattacks. They got some shots that like that save on De Bruyne. I mean, that's class. That's that's what I came became used to watching him at Milan was like, you knew that he could make that one save and give the team a push. And I think his play is, is give the team a push. And even like, you know, he was trying to bantering back with Lukaku and that's what you want from your goalie. You don't want him to be scared. You, you want him to be you know, confident in all those aspects. So Serie A is going to miss him. Milan's going to miss him. So uh, that's that's what PSG is going to get. Maybe some some more winning mentality that can help them uh, get all those million dollars uh, to, towards a championship. So um, but getting back to Italy, they've uh, they, that was a really, really, really well-played game against a team that was very good. And I had a few Belgian friends and they were all lots of respect for Italy. They, they, they said the, the midfield basically won them that game. And Martinez had no answer for the way our midfield was just eating them alive and they couldn't get their game going because they did have that. Like I said at the beginning, they had that little rhythm in the middle, but we quickly adjusted. I don't know what, I, I can't see, like I saw Mancini say something, but they clearly adjusted something after those first 10 minutes. And then, you know, it was just, and then like you guys said, that, that time wasting at the end. Uh, I hadn't seen that Italy since <laughs> 2006, <laughs> maybe yep. in 2010. You know, like uh, that was pretty funny to see. But hey, that's that's the game. That's the game we love. I mean, basketball. Uh, in some sports, you're time wasting. In football, you sometimes don't even play like the last uh, 30 seconds of a game. The guy just kneels and, and there it goes. You know, so I don't know why all people are hating about all that stuff. I guess they've never really watched the sport for that long to see that. But that that happens. So. <laughs> Well, I feel like I feel like if, if England does the exact same thing, it's like, oh my, look how smart these lads are. Oh my god, like yeah, I feel like they would get praised for the same thing that we get ripped for. Of course, oh, for sure, it's always the same. And uh, there's uh, Gino uh, on on Twitter. He's a good follow. He was just just kept posting different clips of Harry Kane diving or Sterling diving after that because he lives in <laughs> he lives in Chester over there and he's Italian, so he's he must hear a lot. So. It was pretty funny to see all those comparisons. And, you know, it is part of the game. I mean, we're all going to have our turn to complain about that. We all do that. We complain about other teams doing it. But right now we're all behind Italy. So keep on hating. I don't know what to tell you people. Just uh, fill the mentions. Go ahead. Have fun. We're going to fill the, fill the goals and win this tournament. Absolutely. And I, and I want to make it clear that I was had no faith in this team going anywhere. I didn't think yeah. they were going to go anywhere. And I was one of those people saying, 
they've played nobody for two years. Why should I be excited? And I think that's just me being jilted by what happened before. I was like, I'm not ready to give you my heart again. You know, I was like, yeah, broken. PTSD. Yeah, so even if we're losing in Spain on Tuesday, which I don't think we will, I'm happy. A semifinal for me after what we went yeah. through the last five years, I'm bring it on. I'm ready for the World Cup next year. Yeah, of course, uh, our friend Brooklyn Rob in the chat will never let me forget that on the last episode, I picked Belgium to win the game. You know, and, and this is the same Brooklyn Rob, but he's, he's a great dude, even though he's a Juventus fan. So he's not perfect, but he is a great dude. Uh, he put a, before the tournament started, he put a futures bet on Italy to win Euro 2020 uh, at plus 750 odds. So I, I don't know if he put a $100 bet or a $1,000 bet, whatever it was. He's going to be, his pockets will be heavy if Italy do go all the way. He promised me a steak dinner because uh, he lives down in my area in South Florida. However, ever since I picked Belgium in the last episode, apparently I'm getting the the T-bone at Denny's is going to be my uh, steak dinner. Oh, so oh, my, oh. Meal, my meal has been downgraded. You might but, as well eat a hockey puck. I would never uh, eat yeah. a steak at Denny's. I would have breakfast no, exactly. or nothing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, I would God. get the moons over my hammy or the Grand Slam or something, you know? They're meant for breakfast, no? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> he said, steak, steak at Denny's for you, Brooklyn Rob said. <laughs> I think I, I think he means by downgrading to your fucking meal and saying you're digging the shit there. Steak Pretty at Denny's. Much, man. I would never get a steak at Denny's. Fuck that. <laughs> no. <laughs> they do have it on the menu. They probably have it frozen for like six years because nobody orders it, right? <laughs> they, they mm, have it in just I like their French toast. Yeah, it is, it is solid. Yeah. French toast is good. Uh, J- Jerry, I want to bring you in on this, on the positives from Italy's performance, 2-1 over Belgium. What really stood out to you in a good in a good sense? 36-year-old Giorgio Cagini. That's the yeah. guy who I say was man of the match. And uh, without him, I don't know if a Chirby does as well in his place. Because um, we saw that Bonucci played much better with Cagini in the lineup. That was another factor. So both of them played very well. They kept Lukaku in in check. Was Lukaku bad? I don't think so. I thought he still played well. Yeah, can can I interject on that real quick? Because I saw our buddy Nando, who, of course, is welcome to come on with us again soon. Like, he wrote something on Twitter defending Chiro, which is fine, defend Chiro. But he said, like, oh, people don't acknowledge that Lukaku played worse than Chiro did in that game. And I, I didn't think I that agree. was the case. And I'm not even like, like he, sco- he scored on agree. a penalty and I'm not like, it's a penalty kick, so I'm not including that. But still, like I look, Lukaku, he wasn't massive in this game, but he created some chances. He had one shot in particular that forced a really nice save from Donnarumma. I think it was late in the first half. So like, whereas Chiro did, uh, did nothing in this game, like Lukaku did a little I bit. I don't agree. Uh, Lukaku was put in in Chiellini's pocket by Chiellini, where Immobile put himself in Vermeilen's pocket. Just yes. By, yes. By yeah, and yeah, I, I I appreciate what he was trying to do with his body, but it just didn't work out for him. So and uh, yeah, I just wanted to say like Lukaku had a, I mean he was he was still causing a problem. If he doesn't yeah. score, he's still causing a problem. And that's why I felt Chiro was doing the game before against Austria. He was causing a problem, but not well scoring. Said. This game here. He wasn't causing a problem, and he wasn't scoring. And then he was. Anyway, I don't want to get. I don't want to get Immobile FC mad, so I'll just stop there. <laughs> I, I I'm not biased, man. That's one thing. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call out Nando, and I'm gonna call Lucci on this show. Actually, Nando's very Immobile bias, and and I think he's got to realize that. Except the fact that Immobile was the worst game, and the he was the worst player for Italy and the best player for Belgium. That's it. Without a doubt, like that's, and I and I'm probably one of the biggest 
mobile advocators on the freaking Twitter world. Now, as for Lucci, start Bellotti over Immobile. I I just don't agree no. how how far you are in the into the tournament. You, you don't you don't just bench somebody for one bad game going into the semis. Like there's the partnership up front of Insigne and Immobile. Look, Insigne had a bad game against Austria. Did Mancini bench him? No, no. no. What happened the next game? Great was game. outstanding. Great game. You can't. This is why we are not managers because we talk like this. These are dumb, rational decisions we're saying on Twitter that makes no sense to me. And I'm not saying because I'm an immobile fan. And and lastly, why I want to do call Luigi's Bolotti was not better than immobile in this game. They were both trash. Bolotti <laughs> didn't do nothing when he came on the pitch for 15 minutes. He was he better came, in the Austria game, but not in this game. Absolutely. Yeah. And you want to know why? Because Austria was tired. Yeah. When he came on, Austria was a dead team. Belgium wasn't a dead team. They still had energy in them to go. When Bellotti was called on to hold up the ball, he didn't do that. His touch was no better than Immobile's touch. Well, the only thing he did was could have got a foul, but he didn't when the arm was when the arm went into his face. I didn't see anything from Bellotti. And I and I love to hear what you guys think because I didn't see nothing from Bellotti better than Immobile. And I'm not, and I'm I'm just saying I'm not trying to go after Bellotti. I'm fine with Bellotti starting, but again, he didn't impress in the group stage against Wales. I don't think he was good. No, he was effective no. against a tired Austria, but credit to him, he took advantage. So all the, all the power to him on that one. Didn't do nothing against Belgium for me. So Cheeto has scored two goals, has given an assist. When Bellotti's been on, has he come close to scoring? I don't think so, personally. I no. didn't see much from him. So, I, I do, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think it was a turnaround. No, the, the, that, that, that one shot he had yeah. from outside the box, that's it. Whereas against Switzerland when he came on, he had an outside-the-box spin-around shot type of thing. But you're right. I mean, like, you I'm didn't. just saying, like, I'm not trying to defend him, but I'm just saying you go with your best player and you consistently got to go with your best player. This is not Serie A where you can bench a player, change new things, try against Crotone or something, and think that something's going to happen. You got you to have a consistency here. They, these guys don't play with each other every day. So you start making changes. You got to think what the impact's going to be on that they haven't played with Bellotti for more than a whole match during this tournament. They, he has gone with consistent players and has stuck by it. Nicolo Barella was another player who has been invisible for, I would say, most of the tournament. Yeah. But had a great game against Belgium. Like, yep. Got and, and, and I said it earlier, Yeah, and actually you said it as well, Insigne, same thing. It had a couple of – had a few poor games, and then he was great uh, against Belgium. Same thing with Barella. So sometimes you just need to give players play, – you know that are great players, you need to give them time to find their form. I'm, I'm not trying to be biased here. I, I – I just think that Immobile gets too much flack, man. One bad game and the whole world's against him. God, God forbid if it was Chiesa who had the worst game of his life and you heard and you saw Chiesa sucks this, get rid of him, don't ever come back in Italy. You see how many Juventinis will come after you with a freaking pitchfork and make sure you don't come back, man. Oh, yeah. I, I'm telling you, man, it's, there's just so much bias towards Immobile where, oh, he hasn't scored, but people are forgetting they're winning still. If he's not yeah. scoring, he's doing something else. And I will be honest, it was his worst game against it against Belgium. He the dive, well, we'll talk about that after. I, I did not like it at all. No. Um, just overall, we're gonna talk about it after. But uh, other than the back end for Italy, I thought Insigne was 
magnificent. Freaking like she needs stepped up. What other way do you shut people down? A lot of Juventinis didn't want him to start. I don't know who you want to start over in senior. You want Bernadeschi? Fucking guy reeks. Guy sucks. Mm. Mm -hmm. And his one start he had, he looked fucking invisible. It sucked ass. He's basically there just in case like six people all get hurt at once. If if like six guys all get hurt at once, he can play six different positions. It's like, oh, he's here, but it's break glass in case of emergency. He's there to keep the bench warm. What are you going to do? Put Chiesa on the left? We saw how Chiesa plays on the left with Juventus. Sucks. Yeah, that game against Milan, he was invisible on the left. Like, yeah. remember that? Yeah. Can't invisible. do that, man. Yeah. Right. Mancini's mm. playing these guys to their to their strengths. He's not gonna. If you're gonna if you're gonna have Chiesa playing on the left, you need to shoot on my I think. It's a, I think also, okay, I remember making too much of a big deal. Who starts? There's it's, we have yeah. five subs now. It's not three. Like, yeah. We're exactly. not wasting yeah. a sub to bring in a striker. Like. We'll be fine. And Italy's weakest position is striker. Nothing against Immobile or Bellotti. No, they absolutely. Are good, they are good players. But Italy's system is is most suited to play this formation. But we don't have a striker to play this formation. So, yeah, true. no yeah, matter who true. we play, what are you going to put? Uh, like, you're going to bring Kevin Lasagna? <laughs> we don't have, but we have all the other pieces to play this formation. And this is what Mancini's done. He's basically... The strikers, no, this is not ideal for me. I mean, I would like to see a 4-4-2 with both of them playing. I think that would be the best mm -hmm. position for Immobile and Balotti to, to succeed. But we don't have the midfielders to play a 4-4-2. No. You're going to play Cristante as a starter at that point? Like, Oh, no. No. <laughs> and, like, maybe Bernardeschi actually works on a 4-4-2. But, like, no, we're not playing that for me. No. So, you know we got to go with what's gotten us here. And that's it. Yeah, you know what bothers me, though? I've seen Immobile make runs off the defense 10 times a game, 15 times a game. They don't, they don't attempt a pass. This is where I wish Luis Alberto was an Italian citizen and could have been playing in that midfield because he would he would be launching those long balls to, to Immobile even in a 4-4-3, in a 4-3-3. I don't get it. Like, I see how many times he, he makes a run in behind the defense and they're looking and they make a pass to the guy to the left. And it's like, make the long pass. Mm -hmm. You look at the stats. Nine for ten long ball passes. Jorginho does a lot of long ball passes. Barella makes a lot of long ball passes. My point is, try playing to a player's strength and not to their weakness all the time. Because when you see Mobile inside the box and he's trying to run all over the place, trying to separate with him and, and getting into these tight areas, it's like you're not using him to his best. You know his holdup is not the greatest. That's not what he's known for. Try to play him on the run. Try to get him off the, the defender. And I'm hoping that that's the case against Spain because a lot of people are saying that Spain's back end gives a lot of space up and he can play yeah. to his advantage here. So I hope that they play to his advantage and not hold it and try to build the, the, the play up. You got to take a, a get go to his strength, and it bothers me because we haven't seen that all tournament. I think this is the game where he scores again. First time since yes. the group stage. I think I Spain think so. is the game he scores again. So, okay, I'm going to take um, – obviously, I know where Jerry stands on this. Uh, I agree with Jerry. Immobile should start again. Are we unanimous, Mass and Jan? Do we agree that it's Chiro over Belotti, or does anyone have a dissenting thought? No, 100%. No. Uh, especially in these uh, short tournaments, you ride the hot – I mean, it's not the hot hand, but you, you ride what works. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't now's not the time to start tinkering with uh, starting a Balotti over an Immobile. Look, he had an awful game. I'm not saying he was great against Belgium, but when you see him in the group stages, when you saw him against Austria, he does a lot of good things off the ball too. Like, he comes back, he tries to win him back. You know, so 
stick with stick with stick with him. You have to write it. A good coach will stick with that player, especially in a short tournament like this. Now is not the time to to demoralize him by benching him for Bolotti. I no. You stick with Immobile. Yeah, he's a Lazio player, but when he puts on that Azzurri jersey, I'm his biggest fan. Trust me. He's good. Stick with him. It's it'll be fine. I think he, he gets a couple against Spain. Spain's backline looks very vulnerable. Plus, we already know he's a good actor. So we need him in case we need something to happen. And he plays decoy. If he's gonna if he's gonna do something embarrassing like that again, I mean, might as well. Hopefully, it's to our favor because I, I hate it. Can, can, can I, we talk I, about that? Because that, oh, that's, so it, that's the reason why it's I don't so have my record for so Dude, long, man. It it is my favorite video clip on the internet because he yeah. like he he goes down in the box. He's like rolling around, looking like he's writhing in pain. And then after Barella, after Barella scores that goal, not only does he just get up, but he's got this smile on his face. He's like Wiley Coyote or something. Like he's like, "Oh, look what I just did!" Like he he was like proud of himself, Jerry. And I know Jerry, you didn't like it. I didn't like it either. But I just I kind of accept that it's a part of the game that a lot of players do this. It's just it's one of those things where that's not going away from the game. No, you're right, but not when the fucking you celebrate. Like, look at the Copa America game yesterday when Argentina won. Uh, sorry, scored, and the guy was on the floor dying, and he never yeah. got up. You, you at least sell it. You're hurt, man. Come on. So, so you, you're not upset that he was acting. You wish he'd done a better job of acting. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. At least sell that you're hurt, man. Don't, don't, don't actually show that you're not hurt. I think he probably was hurt in a way. But the way he got up, it was like, no, man. Like jog to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you see the challenge, it, it looks like it looked like a foot went into him. If you really oh, look at sure. the challenge, yeah. I, yeah. But but like, I don't know what you're trying to do, man. It's just not a good. It's not a good look, man. And this is why I didn't watch football for so long. In hockey, you break your leg, you're still playing for the next thirty seconds, and then you come off. Yeah. That's pl- like. This is why I love hockey for for like the last thirty years, and why I always thought that football, no offense, is a pussy sport for that reason. Because guy gets hurt, oh my, oh my league, my league. It's like get the fuck up, man. But but in defense, I will say one thing, and I, and I give credit to Joseph from Forza Napoli podcast who said this to me. Here's to, here's the problem. So Lukaku gets dragged, gets pulled shirt. Doesn't get a foul, okay, against yeah. Portugal. So, if a player thinks that they can't get a foul for the right reason and they're playing, trying, and they're getting tugged and they're not going on the floor, but they're not going to foul, here's a player's thought now. Well, if I can't get a foul for the right way and showing that I'm a man and I'm not going down, oh, well, I'm going to sell it then. So, here's Immobile going on the floor, trying to sell the foul because. If he stays up, he's not going to get it regardless, and that's where the referee has to make that fine decision where you, you don't give you don't issue a foul because a guy falls on the floor thinking he got hurt. You you give the issue the foul even when he's not trying to go down to the floor because it, it shows more respect to the to the referee that they're not trying to sell it to them, and they should be rewarded for for actually being in the first place so I, I agree with joe on that aspect that it, it forces players to sell it if they're not going to be given it in in the right manner so but again i I'm, i just don't like what immobile did i i voiced it on twitter i put my bias aside i'm not i don't just don't like it i want to i don't want to be associated around that and especially given that he'll be probably Lazio's captain it's not a good look so mm. 
That, there's just so many things around it, but that, that's why I always watch hockey, man. Hockey is men, men. It's, it's and I know incredible. a lot of people are gonna go against me and say, "Hey, so football's uh, men?" No, not no, because the the littlest tap and they're on the floor, and I don't know that they don't have a lot of protection around their foot, their feet. But like when you're playing, when you watch hockey players broken legs and f- coming out with like these injuries that they played through, it makes me think, okay. Get up, man! Like, no, no offense, but we're not actors. We're we're athletes. Let's let's continue. It's like Patrice Bergeron after like a playoff run. You know what I mean? Like you hear like they're holding it together with like duct tape in between periods. Like it's crazy. Well, and you notice it's like it 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 goes from sport to sport because like I guess hockey really and and you get penalty calls and stuff, but usually usually the referees can tell when something's a penalty, kind of regardless how the player reacts to it, just because it's different kinds of motions. But like. In hockey, I don't think there's enough incentive to pretend to be injured. Same thing with football. Whereas, you know, or, or sorry, or sorry, no, football different. Where football, like basketball, there's like more incentive to kind of pretend you're hurt and go down because there, there's a lot of flopping in basketball as well. Whereas sports like hockey and American football, they're just like the the, the players and, and may, maybe like you could say, oh, these guys are tougher or whatever. Whether they are tougher or not in real life, I don't know. But I just think there's less incentive in those sports to pretend you're injured, whereas, you know, in, in football and in basketball, it's like anytime you get touched, you really sell it. You know, you're flailing. Oh, my God, because you're trying to get these calls because that gets incentivized. Yeah. Well, the NHL, it's not getting in about how things don't even count in the playoffs. So there's a whole other problem with the NHL and the way they right. left their games. The, the NFL actually has it right. It's the same penalty that you're going to have week one is the same penalty you'll have in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So to me, the NFL knows, and that's why players don't even. I mean, who fakes it in the NFL? Nobody. Nobody. Not that I can remember. Yeah. No. Good point. Actually, McDavid, McDavid actually uh, had an interview a few days ago, voicing that the refereeing has to be consistency and the has to be more consistent in the NHL. It's true. Yeah, what you just said. I guess it's. Not many people are going to know what we're talking about because no, nope, uh, that's it. We're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's going to know what we're talking about here. So we should do a spinoff hockey pod at some point. Uh, <laughs> but but hey, um, I, I want to get into like a couple of uh, of Serie on notes. But before we do that, you know, I want to do what we like to do before there's you know an Italy game coming up. Do you guys have a prediction for Italy versus Spain in the semifinal? Now, hopefully, hopefully, I make my guy Brooklyn Rob happy with me because this time around. I am predicting an Azzurri victory. I may have picked Belgium in the last round. Shame on me. I'm, I actually, even though I picked Belgium on the show, I bet on Italy. So my money went with the right side there, okay? Uh, this time around, I am picking the Azzurri to beat Spain and to advance to the finals. I'm going to go to a 2-1 to one final score in this game. I'm going to give one of those goals to Immobile. I'm actually going to give one to Chiellini off of a set piece. So I'm going to go Chiro and Chiellini, the goal scorers for Italy, a two-to-one victory. We'll go around the room. Mass, do you have a prediction? Are the Azzurri going to advance? I think we get the clean sheet in this one, guys. I think we're going two-nothing. Um, I get Immobile with both goals. He kind of shuts up the haters. I'm hoping. That would be that would be fun, man. Uh, what about you, Jan? He's due. He's due. Um... Spain has only won one game in regular time, right? So I'm yeah. saying we're going to penalty shots against them. It's going to be one-one, <laughs> and we're going to win in penalty shots five-four. Uh, goals from uh, Immobile and Koke uh, score for them. What about you, Jerry? You've been steadfast before the tournament started. 
you picked Italy to win these Euros. So I'm guessing you're picking Italy to beat Spain. Yeah, Italy's going to win. Not not even penalty shots. And I know how last podcast, no one thought that goals were going to come versus Belgium and Italy. I still think goals are going to come this game. I say three, four goals max. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's going to be an open wide game. Neither side is going to play very defensive, I I find. Uh, I don't think Spain's going to sit back. They're going to kind of try to attack. And they're going to leave a lot of space for Immobile to attack. So I say 2-1 Italy, 2-0. I'm not going to say who's going to score. You know, I'll say if I get, I think Immobile is going to score. I don't know. And if he does, I'm going to have a video ready to go. And I tell everybody to go fuck themselves. Straight (laughs) up. Middle fingers up, Jerry. I'm going to go fucking nuts. Jerry's going to lose some friends too because he's going to be calling out our buddy Lucci. He's going to be calling out uh, whoever else. Yeah. Whoever else has been talking crap. Yeah. Even if if he doesn't score and they win, that's just the the incentive in, in itself. I think people got to remember that if, if they deliver a win with him in the lineup again, like there's no need to shit on him. Then you're, you're winning the game. That's why I don't understand. Like the wins are coming. So it doesn't matter. It's working. But, and, and as I know, I think Denmark's going to be England. Um, not because of, no hatred between no, this is like no bias. I said, England, when I made my group, my uh, elimination bracket, I think England Sorry, Denmark and Italy finals. Um, but I'm not going to disrespect England. I know that I said the facts of what against them, but you got to everything aside. England has played just as equally as well as Italy has. Um, I get out of here equally as I'm well. Not, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to boot you from the. We we, we 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 can hate them. They played well, but, not equally as well. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, right. I think Italy has been the best team in the tournament that's, that's yeah. fine maybe I'm, I'm not saying it properly but I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say sit here and say that they didn't have an easy way just as italy did and like did we've only beaten one difficult team which is belgium they've only beaten one difficult team which is germany they haven't even conceded a goal yet that's another yeah. that's another positive so we can say that we've been the best but on the opposite end, if you were an England fan, you would probably be saying saying differently that we've been the best the whole tournament. You know what I mean? And I, I get what you're saying. Like Italy has been dominant in every game, but England has hold held their own ground. I know that people are going to say they've only had one game away from their stadium, but there's always the pressure of playing in front of your fans too. It's never easy playing in front of a. Uh, 50 or 30 or 20,000 screaming fans expecting that you win your first trophy since 1966. It's a lot of pressure. Um, mm-hmm. Again, yeah, Harry Kane, he sucked in the group stage. Absolutely. Stepped up in the last two games, though. Yep. Yep. Delivered two key goals. Like, I'm not going to say that England has been terrible. Um, they've been good. Their key players are stepping up. Gareth Southgate got a lot of criticism thinking people didn't think that he would take them this far. He's yeah, got them in the Frankenstein sense. monster lineups that he was putting out. Like, yeah, a lot of people didn't have and, faith and, with him. And, and the bracket itself, you can't blame England for who they played. No. That's, 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 I mean, the that's bracket FIFA. was rigged that's for them, FIFA. but that's beside the That's point. FIFA, how it's all set up because yeah, for sure. that's FIFA. That's not England. That's not England calling, hey, we want to be on this bracket and we want to be on that side. Like, they, they had a difficult group. They had Germany and Portugal. Now, again, it's not the group of death because three teams can make it out. 
to give the no. device 13. So it kind of eliminated the whole purpose without people realizing that the group of death was out the window. But you know what? I still think that in Italy has been better than England, but I'm not going to sit here and think that England hasn't been nearly as good, probably, I would say. But they've been good. That's it. And for Denmark, Denmark's underrated. What a story, think, too. And and they are very underrated. Underrated. And, they, they, and, and that team, that team has been getting stronger every game. They look better every single game. They're the only team I know that have looked good every game with losses. Let's just say that. Even though they lost their first two games and one that shouldn't that shouldn't have been played. Yeah. They they have been probably I you know what? I'll say that they've been better than England. Yeah, you're right, Jan. You're absolutely wrong. You're, I would say Italy, Denmark, and then England. Because Denmark has been resilient of what they have to go have gone through. They have had maybe not as a dominant team, but they're playing as a team and everyone's stepping up. Damsgaard's been sensational. So I say Denmark second best and then England. But again, it's, it's teams that we never thought who would be the best. No one expected Italy to be the best. No one expected Denmark to be as good as they were. No one expected England to be up there. Like we all thought it would be Germany, probably France. And where are they right now? Like two of Home. them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. I just don't want to do any negative towards England because I've noticed that it's coming and biting me in the ass. So <laughs> I need this bad karma away from me, and I got to think positive for everything. And positive equals good. Let's try this one for once. <laughs> so, uh, and, and by the way, if anyone in the chat wants to make a prediction, we'll, we'll pop them up here on the big screen. Brooklyn Rob says, Spain was lucky to beat the Swiss, the same Swiss team we dominated. Uh, so he's predicting three to one with Cheeto scoring two goals. So three to one Italian victory is Brooklyn Rob's prediction. Uh, a couple of uh, a couple of transfer related questions I want to get to with Mass and with Jan about Roma and Milan. So obviously, in the case of Roma, um, they're they're going to have a spot to fill at least temporarily at left back with what happened to Spinazzola. Do you see them going out and buying or trying to loan a player this summer? Because one player that I have seen linked uh, to Roma over you know the past forty eight hours since this injury happened is. Uh, a left back owned by Inter and Federico Di Marco, who's been out on loan the last couple seasons, was pretty good at Verona last year. So I've seen him come up. Now, I'm, I'm mostly seeing that from Inter sites, so I don't know if if Roma sites are, are pumping it up as much. But could, could you see him potentially as being a possibility to come in at left back for a year? Uh, yeah, I could see it. Um, actually, I think it was Chiesa Di Totti on Twitter today that uh, put up uh, that transfer rumor as well. So there's some rumblings on our end. Um that's what I see as coming in as a possible successor to Spinazzola while he's out. Uh, the only other thing I've seen confirmed with us is uh, Under officially to Marseille for uh, a year on loan with obligation to buy. There was rumblings that Paulo Lopez was going to head that way also, but uh, the only one that I've seen officially confirmed by the Roma, like the official Roma page, has been uh, Under heading to Marseille. By the way, how pumped are you and Jerry as well to have the freaking Roman coaching matchup? of Mourinho against Sarri. I mean, dude, just watching those sidelines and watching the pre-match and post-match match press conferences, I'm going to go out of my way to watch those next year. Oh, for sure. It's going to be great. Um, I'm a bit hesitant to Mourinho. Like, he has the pedigree, obviously, but, I mean, the last few years have been 
lackluster. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get, honestly. Like from from a coaching standpoint, you really don't know. <laughs> it, it's it's boomer bust. We either go treble or we get relegated here. That's the way I'm seeing it. You know, like it's very boomer bust the way it's going to turn out for us. So I'm going in with no expectations. Look, I'm hoping obviously for the best, but uh, he's going to have some. Uh, there's going to be some growing pains. Our squad's in transition too with new management. We got to do some cleanup. So it's probably not expecting too much this year, but maybe within the next two years, I could see us uh, kind of competing again. Now, Jan, earlier, you know, you mentioned uh, Donnarumma, who, of course, is uh, he's he's at PSG now. Something that I find kind of funny, I grinned a little bit this morning when I was reading a story about how PSG do plan to keep Kaylor Navas, and they plan for him to be keeper number one. So, God, like, I, I find it free. And, and I'm not saying, listen, Donnarumma might be perfectly happy just to count his money if he's not a regular starter. Maybe he's content with that. But I think it's pretty goddamn funny for this guy to make that move probably just to end up being the highest priced backup goalkeeper in the world. It's insanity. I think plans change. I mean, they're probably just saying that right now because they don't want to seem desperate on the market that they have to offload Kaylor Navas, who has a pretty substantial salary that who's going to offer him that much money to go be their number one. Uh, But I don't think PSG cares. I, I mean, maybe to start the year. Yeah. They'll say Kaylor Navas is the starter and, after six, seven games that he's used to a different league, then Donnarumma is going to take over. But it would be hilarious if he just sits on the bench. And I don't know why PSG. Anyway, they say football, right? They said no to the Super League. So they're such a noble team. So we can't really say much, <laughs> anything bad about PSG because they've saved football all by themselves. So it's nice that they've signed uh, an Aust- like a Galacticos right now. Uh, they got what Wendelam and Ramos, and uh, they Hakimi. extended Hakimi, they have, and they, they extended have, they extended Neymar for thirty five million a year. Apparently, walking Korea. Oh, is he going there for sure, or it's rumored at least? Yeah, rumored. Yeah, they want yeah. him. Yeah. What's he wow. gonna do? Sit on the bench? He's gonna rot away there, man. Oh, for sure. Oh. Icardi's yeah, not going yeah, yeah. back, though, right? He's coming back to to Inter Icardi, or he's a free agent. No, oh, he's uh, he 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 might he might even I, I don't know. He's 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 not owned by Inter anymore, so he's not coming back. Uh, but oh, yeah, I, 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 okay. yeah. Well, no, be uh, PSG actually bought him uh, oh, okay. last summer, which was a miracle that <laughs> they actually they paid like fifty million euro, which was all right. <laughs> take take him. So no, so I don't I don't know where he's going to end up, but it's probably not going to be uh, with PSG. What about uh, Jerry, Jerry? What are the hottest uh, Lazio rumors right now? Are you seeing anything? Well, back to like walking Korea. They, Lazio has asked PSG they want fifty million, forty five. They've increased the price of forty five million to fifty million. So the Tito's is not. This is what the one thing. As much as he's shady, the one thing I do like about him is that when a big club wants a player from him, he doesn't back down and say, hey, just because we're Lazio and we spend $60 million a year and we don't have nearly the, the revenue you make, we're just going to like buy into you just so you can give us what we want for $25 million. He's going to say, fuck you. This yeah. is what I have. You don't like it? We'll go somewhere else. We don't care that you're PSG and you have to like buy into our de- – no, no. That, that's one thing I'll say that he doesn't – he puts on his big boots against these uh, these bigger clubs. Um, like I said, Korea, it's, po- it's supposed to be a tw- like X amount of money plus uh, Pablo Sanabria. I personally say fuck you to PSG. You keep walking Korea because I think he can work well under Sari. Um, I believe Elsai Husai, the the, friend, the fullback from, if I said his right name right, but his full, the fullback from Napoli is supposed to be officially signing 
as of uh, early next week. So there's this guy, uh, I forgot who his name was, Tastic. Or Ta- I don't remember the top of my head, a player from Bordeaux. And because he got relegated to Ligue 2, they're in financial situation. And Lazio might be able to get him even for cheaper now. I don't know too much about him. I forgot what his name was. But um, uh, Basic, his name is Basic. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think dude, there's a lot of meme potential there to yeah. bring in a player whose name is Basic. or yeah. I, I don't care how it's pronounced. It's spelled Basic. There's great meme potential there. Yeah, it's very meme potential. But um, I don't know what's going to happen with Lotsity, if he stays, if he's going. Um, that's about it. There's, there's so many rumors surrounding Lazio that I've given up kind of on, like, what's going to happen because yeah. – we're linked to like 25 players, and in the end of the day, in the last three weeks, we've only signed one. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it's how it goes. And well, the funny thing, people forget this. Like, yeah, there have been some players who have already made moves and been announced and stuff, but technically, we're really only officially four days into the transfer window because it didn't exactly. officially open until July 1st. So there's a lot of time. And, oh. and obviously, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, just a question. I know like how Inter had like kind of like a a clause probably to what happened to Ericsson. Now, does Roma get screwed now that they have to buy an additional player, spend more money, and it's on the books? Like, how does that work now? There, there for... could be – there There might be ins- – I don't know because, yeah, well, what, what you're saying for Ericsson is, yeah, mo- most of his wages are going to be paid by insurance through FIFA. Uh, I'm guessing I, – I don't know, Matt. I don't know, Mass, if you know this or you don't know this because I'm not sure, but I, I, I – there. I'm not sure if there could be insurance that applies there. Maybe maybe there is, that, that they don't have to pay most of his wages that it gets paid by insurance. I haven't uh, really looked into it, so I'm not going to make a comment and make yeah. an ass of myself. But uh, <laughs> Well, Jerry and I do it all the time. It's yeah. Oh, I, 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 I mean, I think the severity is completely different, like with Ericsson versus us. Like, I mean, yeah. we almost yeah, like true. legit lost Ericsson as a – you know, so no, he may never play again. Well, yeah, exactly. Too early to say, of course, you but. know, it's too early to say. Uh, at least uh, he's alive, like thank God. Yeah, but uh, well, yeah, no, I, I don't Ericsson. think so. They'll be fine. They signed the Turkish Ericsson. I mean, of, of course, really yeah. Up, he shows up <laughs> in every big match. I mean, I've saw every time he played for Milan in a big match, he was always yeah, there, of course, doing nothing. He's a useless <laughs> player. And yeah. uh, we didn't talk about that, uh, ironically. But uh, what do you think about getting? Uh, Honestly, um, as a player, for the price I, that, that you're paying him, right? Well, I mean, listen, uh, yeah, the the the, way, the wages are are pretty high. I think the way that they and and I agree, like your assessment of him as a player, I agree with it, of course. So I'm I'm not expecting. I mean, listen, sometimes for players, a change of scenery is good. So Maybe perhaps a change of teammates and a change of tactics. We'll see. Like we don't know. Maybe he'll get into better form in Inter. But I. This to me, like this is not a player uh, in in Chalinolu. I wouldn't have sought this guy out in a vacuum. Uh, but I, I just I accept the fact that the reason why this is happening, it's all because of Ericsson. Like this is this is not someone that Inter would have made an effort to invest in and say, oh, we need to to sign this guy up on a free transfer but pay him five million euro a season. Like it's this is not a move that they would have made under normal circumstances. But what happened to Ericsson made them more than a little desperate because. You know, we know Inter's financial situation right now, and, you know, they have a player that they need to replace. And yes, uh, you know, FIFA insurance is paying for most of Ericsson's wages. So they looked at it and said, well, we need to replace this guy with someone on a free transfer where we're just paying the wages. And Hakan's wages are a couple million euros lower 
than what Erickson's would be. So they needed to replace him in a desperate circumstance uh, without paying a transfer fee, and they accomplished that. And I'm I'm certainly not going to say that Hakan is as good of a player as Christian Erickson. He's not. Uh, but given the situation, I thought that they – with their financial constraints, I thought they addressed it as, about as well as they could have. Uh, the, the only other thing, I'll, I'll add something else on Inter, because Jerry you know, Jerry brought up uh, transfer links away potentially for Lazio at Lazio. There have been some rumors linking him to Inter, but I, I, it's too expensive. Um, you know, because Lotito, Lotito, no matter who comes calling for him, he's not going to let Lazio go on a discount, right? I mean, if he says... 25 million if that's the price that's the price like he's not going to say oh you know what i'll let him go to you for 15 million or loan with option no i mean latito is a hard negotiator uh and he's also not going to want to sell that player to enter given the inzaghi situation he doesn't want to go out of his way to help inzaghi so i i think it would take a minor miracle <laughs> for for lot city to arrive at enter um, obviously, they do have to replace Hakimi, and most of their summer budget, whatever that is, I think is going to go to making that move. Um, I think it's probably most likely that either Hector Bellerin of Arsenal or um, or uh, Davide Zapacosta, I think one of the two of them, who he's owned by Chelsea, I think one of the two of them would come in, basically whoever they can get on loan with option. If it's one of those guys, I think that's who will come in. I've also seen links, and I talk about this a lot on the Daily Dose of Inter series that I do on our Patreon page. You guys should check it out. Um, that there have been a lot of links to in, uh, for Inter for Denzel Dumfries, the PSV right wing back. I like the fact that he's a wing back, that he's not a fullback or a winger who would have to learn a different position. Um, but I, I just think the reporting on that player has been really bad because no one can seem to figure out whether he has a 15 million euro release clause, which is widely reported. And if the, if that release clause is real, then theoretically you agree with the player, the buying club agrees with the player. And if he agrees to your terms, you pay 15 million for him and that's it. Uh, but then I see other sources saying, well, PSV are trying to negotiate a, a buying price of 20 to 25 million euros. Wait a second. Does he have a release clause or doesn't he? Like no one can seem to figure that out. Like he's either, you know, he either has a release clause of 15 million euros or he doesn't and PSV can negotiate a price. So I don't think anybody knows what's fucking going on with that player. Like I, I don't think until I hear a good report from Di Marzio, basically, I'm not going to believe anything I hear about Denzel Dumfries. I have seen him linked a little bit to Inter and I, I like him. I rate him. He's no Hakimi, but, you know, nobody that they're going to get for a cheaper price is Hakimi. But that's the most important position to fill. And Inter's uh, preseason is going to start four days from now. And I know that Inzaghi wanted or wants to have as close to a full squad as possible by preseason. But unfortunately, it's not going to happen because there are a few players that need to be sold, like uh, Joao Mario, who's just a disgrace to the human race. Uh, you know, he is uh, you know, reportedly maybe close now to joining Benfica, but they're still negotiating. You know, you have to send uh, Nangolan, need to send him to Cagliari permanently. They're not quite there yet. So I don't think that they're going to be anywhere near done with the incomings or the outgoings by July 8th. And unfortunately for Inzaghi, he's going to have to deal with some positions that are in flux for at least the next couple of weeks. I, I'll add one last thing to this. If Milan doesn't sign Kessie by the start of the season, he's gone. He is not signing with Milan, in my opinion. Ooh, I got to get Jan's that, take on that in a that's second. That's me. And I think I think once the season starts, they're not going to want to negotiate it because he's going to think about having his season 
he's going to want to play a great season because it's a contract year. And it's mm-hmm. going to go the same thing with Milan, what happened with Donnarumma, and what happened with, uh, with Hakan. And I and I I backed up Milan on the, on the last two because of the situation of how it happened. The fact that it was the pandemic year and then the financial crisis the club's been going through. It was just a bad timing. And I, I don't blame them. They, they, they made the money by going to Champions League now. So at the same time, people have to understand, like, they, they did what they had to. Now, I think Kessier is a much more important player compared to Donnarumma and, and Hakan. Donnarumma is replaceable, in my opinion. You can get another good goalkeeper for less the wages. I know what he is at 21-22. That's just me. What he was asking was ludicrous money and just just – too much for me for a goalkeeper. Um, he, I know what he is. Hakan, see you later. You go fuck yourself because you're overrated. <laughs> Over fucking rated. I'm sorry. And I, and I think he'll all do better this year for one reason. Simone Inzaghi. The guy will – he'll, he'll also. That too, but he'll nurture him into – you know, I think a 3-5-2 will get will, – will, will be like a Luis Alberto. You're going to start to see – kind of be a similar partnership between him and Lukaku, in my opinion. Um, we'll see. But um, as, as for Kessier, top top five midfielder in Serie A. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I think he's top five. Maybe top three, in my opinion, with uh, Barella and Savage. I would probably put him as top three in that category. Um, you got to sign him. Sorry. I, and you said I this on They've, I mean, all these reports are just agents that pay off guys like the Marzio and Fabrizio Romano to talk about their players. So probably it's it's all up in the air. I mean, how like Kessie's now going to go play in another? What's, what's he going to play with Cote d'Ivoire? There's another tournament that's starting. Oh no, he's playing the yeah. Olympics with them, right? He's, he's playing the Olympics, playing yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They're, they're one of their over twenty three players. Uh-huh. He plays a lot of a lot of soccer, so. I know it's probably hard for them to sit down and negotiate right now. I know that they've made an offer, and I think they're close by an, uh, for the raise. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. These are all things I can't control, but I, I do agree. If they let him go for nothing, that's a huge failure. I think letting go of the other two was a huge failure, even though Hakan, I would have driven him to anywhere. Uh, but it's still a failure to, to lose these guys. So You didn't have to drive him far, it turns out. No, and... Uh, <laughs> He's just anyway, whatever. No, he's not a my player anymore, so I don't give a shit about him. It's my problem now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Kessie, yeah, for me, he's the top three uh, midfielder in Serie A right now, uh, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I have to trust Maldini and see what they're gonna do. But like, like I said, I, I have a hard time taking any of these reports right now as anything. Like all these players are so far away from anything concrete to sign. All the good players are either played a tournament or playing in one. Right. Ah, we'll wait, man. We'll wait. And I think really, we'll get it done really. by August. Here, here, and if they don't... Here's another point. You, you got Champions League money. There's no excuse not to sign it's your best 40 player. Million, you know I mean? Champions League money is $40 million the first year. People are... You guys... And I get it's that. Not, I, you're not winning... You know, to, it's not that much money. You need to win it like Inter... Win it, sorry. You need to make it like Inter did. Yeah, Three, consistent. four years in a row before you can sign your No, you're right, but it, it gives you that room to sign at least your best player. Don't let him leave on and a free man. No, of Come course, on. of course, of course. Come on, there's no excuses. The thing, but a lot of these room, like uh, Milan's interested in this player, and all of a sudden he's worth forty million in the newspapers. But then another team is interested in a similar caliber player, and they're worth ten. I mean, Milan's a clickbait team. They're, everything's going to be written about what who they're after and who they want to sign because they know that. 
they have retarded fan base that's gonna go and click and read all these stories. So I, I just don't put too much stock into them anymore. I mean, for me, it's a soap opera. It's fun. I laugh at it, but I'm I don't know what's going on. They have videos. Oh, this guy's agent came to Casa Milan, and maybe you went to see the museum, or you went to have right. a coffee, or. Or, and, and also the funny thing about that, Jan, different players. You're, and that's and that's the thing. You're right because I, I see that all the time with Inter as well. Because a lot of the agents who represent certain players, they they have like 20, 25 clients, so they could, could be talking be about like, an, any guy on his roster. Exactly, They're not talking about exactly. the big name guy, right? And uh, now if we're linked to James Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, I saw, pa- I saw Patrick Schick, player. Too, guys, eh? Great player, but uh... oh, Sh- Schick as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your uh, Milan Baros uh, 2.0, there Patrick there Schick. Right, everyone, I think uh, Marcello from Milan Club Montreal last year looked at it and like throughout one mercato, there was like 355 guys linked to Milan. Oh my God! That's all by these little articles and little sites, and not all of them are from De Marzio Romano and these other, but. Just to say, like you have, you're checking Milan fan stuff in the summer, and you're like bombarded with, well, we're gonna sign everybody, right? No, and like and we're selling everybody, and this guy's getting a raise, and this guy's not. And I don't. Know. It's like I, I get the link part. You don't know who's linked to who. I get that part, but when when, when you have a contract with a player and you know already he's with your t- with your team, and you yeah. know what he's value. That has to get done. I don't. But you, Jerry, I don't disagree with you. But what do you know? That's, what do I know? Reading anything on Twitter, who knows mm-hmm. what they're doing? They might no, no, you're contacts. right. We I, don't know. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. But if I, it gets I, to I, September and it's not done, I fully agree with you. That's a failure because they have to get failure, it done before right. the season. He's not going to want to talk during the year. Exactly. I, know, that's just me. I, I, uh, he's he's your best player. You you can't. When you got that extra money, though, that forty million makes a big difference compared to other teams who are dying in a in a pandemic, right? Financially, can't buy. I yeah. think that extra forty million. Think about if they didn't make the Europa League, then I would say, hey, hey. Sorry, if they made Europa League, then I would say, yeah. It, Did it, you see the report issue. yesterday that Tonali lowered his, his salary? I to saw that. Four mil, so I mean, that I, make sure it goes through because good, good for Milan, but I kind of feel bad for him that they like. No, but he—that's where yeah. he wants. To, he understands no, know, the know, climate. Then he knows know. they probably said, "Look, we we get through this three four years, then we can start paying you six seven million, and you'll be worth that money." Right now, you also have to take up. You probably even saw like I didn't play as much. I didn't yeah. have a great first year at the club I wanted to be at. Let me do something and. He was making on par with Benacer and Teo. So, you know, like they're up soon also in two years. So we can't lose those guys for nothing either. Right. I don't know. You're, you're, I, I get that point. <laughs> we'll, I, see, I, we'll see. I, I get that with Tenali wasn't good and he was mediocre and he that, mediocre. that makes sense. I, that makes sense. But when you're Kessie and you played one of the best, I, I wouldn't want less wages. I want to be paid for what I'm worth, especially being in going into my prime. Like, Again, I, I'm just saying, you, people, not just you, I'm just saying Milan world. I see, oh, Milan, we got the name. They got to be back in Champions League because that's where they belong. If Milan is Milan, Milan doesn't hesitate to sign their best players. They do what's possible to win, to be Milan. So the Milan D- DNA is we sign the best players. That's who we are in, in history. You know what I mean? They, that. Before this whole situation happened, it always known to get the best players along with Inter yeah, and Juve. And I think this is a, a big statement: getting Kessier and making sure he stays. Because if he leaves, he leaves three big players leaving in two years. And you said it yourself: it, it's two big players. 
I'm saying it, it would be the third. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, uh, player. yeah, no, he doesn't count. Fucking he doesn't count. Man. No, he but count. guys, yes, in Milan's defense, though, like, not for anything, with Donnarumma, like, Mino Raiola was a piece of shit, guys. Like, let's be honest here. Like, there was gonna, it was going to be a, a circus with that. Well, you know the mistake I mean? happened like, by the Mirabelli Fasoni, who gave in, who signed Pepe Reina at four point four million dollars, and then still gave Donnarumma at nineteen years old six million dollars, and then Mirabelli four million up, for Pepe Reina, eh? Holy that's fuck. what he was yeah. getting, yeah, clean, yeah. okay, and Lots that was their, their way to to scare Donnarumma <laughs> into accepting a contract, like. That idiot keeps getting interviewed. He put us back more years than Berlusconi did. But anyway, so I, I agree, Jerry. They have to sign their best player. But By the way, this July is the, 4th. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's not, yeah, it's not yeah, shit yeah. talk on Milan. No, no, no. no. I, I'm just saying. I, 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 it's, tell you. I, I, I hate when people say we need Champions League so we can get the money, so we can buy the players, we can sign the players. And then, and then you get Champions League, and it's like, well, we didn't sign our best players. So what the we fuck? have to keep our players that we have. We have to keep. Yeah. We have to. We have yeah. to keep Pobega right now, and not let Atalanta sign him. And we have to keep Jens Peter Hoger and not sell him for eight million double or through triple what we got what we bought him for just because it's a plus one. We have to keep these guys, man, because or else we're gonna keep giving away Locatelli's and Apesino isn't really our product. We got him, and then we put him on loan for two years, but Brian still we had him. Cristante, we had him, we got rid of him. We, we produce a lot of good young players. Milan has a good good production line, but they don't keep them. Aubameyang before that, years before that. I mean, so I think it's sometimes just look within and, uh, like you said, pay your best players. And Jerry's right. You got to pay Cassie and you got to keep that guy. And then you got to pay Calabria and you got to keep that guy too. You know, like you got, I want to keep Romagnoli too. I, I want to keep Romagnoli to play with Tomori and Chiara. Like, it's just. You're right, but this is not Berlusconi's Milan. This is not a team that can go Here's out and example. just buy Rivaldos and Beckhams and everybody that they want just because they can't. They can't do that. But no look at Lazio. Look at Lazio. They've they've managed to keep their best players through good and bad in the last five years, and and they've kept Luis Alberto. They've kept Savage, and I know they haven't won anything, but they've they've shown the ability to keep their yeah. best players. And I think Milan has to follow that track of Lazio. I always say Lazio doesn't do a good job at getting the extra players that they should because that's a whole different. Situation. Well, and I think a lot of that is because they prioritize keeping the players they have. That's yeah. why, like, like they're they're not making a lot of sales, and that's why they're not making a lot of big investments. So you did pay twenty million for Murici, which was don't remind looks, me. Looks great. Well, we can't answer this questions because I got to eat dinner. I mean, lunch. Well, yeah, but... I was going to say re- re- real quick because uh, I got to wrap it up as well in a moment to start my Fourth of July festivities. But I wanted to answer. I wanted everyone to answer this question real quick. Just and this is obviously looking way ahead, but I think this is a good question by Batty. Who do you guys think will perform the best in Champions League out of the four Serie A teams, which are Inter, Milan, Atalanta, Juventus? I, I don't know, guys. Maybe this is just the recency bias of the last few years, but um, I'm kind of leaning towards Atalanta. <laughs> I, I, I just I, I hope all the Italian, except for Juventus, fuck them. But I hope uh, the other Italian teams, including Milan and Inter, of course, can perform well in Champions League. But I, I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like Atalanta tends to be the team that shines most in those moments. What do you think, Jerry? Um, I'm not sold on Milan until they, they strengthen their, their squad. That's just me. Cause it, you, you saw the issues down the latter part of the season. Um, I don't think Pioli lasts the whole season as well. I see a new manager coming in at some point. That's a whole different topic. But I'm going to go with Inter or Atalanta. For Atalanta, just because as much as I don't like them because of one reason, Gasparini, but yeah. – 
the team's just getting stronger and stronger every year. And I think this third year in a row, the, the Champions League experience is there. I think they get over that hump and they kind of go deeper. And I'm going to give it to Inter as well because Inzaghi has a much better squad and he'll rotate compared to what he did with Lazio. He's got bench players. He, he'll, he'll have he'll have options. And I think that he won't run a Lukaku to the ground. He'll he'll have a different approach, and I think he can get the most out of both Serie A and Champions League. So I think those two for me. And then Juventus can go fuck themselves. I think if they don't sign Lucatelli, they're they're fucked next year. That's all I can say. Because I heard on a pod that that's all they have money for to sign Lucatelli, and that's not that's not really good news. No, it's not. What do you think, Mass? Um Atalanta always, because no one takes them seriously, but I think they should now at this point. They keep proving everyone wrong. Inter, I could see it with Inzaghi because he does have the depth now versus when he was at Lazio, so he could rotate a squad and put out a pretty good product for the Champions League. AC Milan, it all depends on their signings. We see what happens there. Juventus, Juventus is a big question mark all the time, but I mean, at this point, they changed the rules now with the way goals, right? They might get lucky a couple rounds. Oh, that's a good point. Hmm. You know? The Juventus fans I'm, I'm glad are they changed the that. Air. By the way, I'm, I'm glad they changed the away goal rule. I, I, I've seen a few a few of our our friends on Twitter don't like the change. I, I don't understand why. I think that the away goals rule was a little bit antiquated and kind of unfair because it only really affects the the second leg as far as like extra time goes and not the first leg. So I always thought it was imbalanced. Anyway, yeah, no, I agree. I'm I'm happy they got rid of the rule. I mean, yep. not, but uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, I see uh, Atalanta Inter. Maybe doing some damage. Uh, AC Milan, like I said, first uh, first time back in a while, so question mark. And in Juventus, it all depends on who they sign because they're they're in a weird spot right now with their squad. Yeah. What do you think, Jan? So the uh, level-headed answer will come first. So level-headed wise, I think uh, for some reason right now, like I mean, a lot of this depends on who draws who, but. For me, I think Juventus has a lot to prove. Allegri was a coach that always did well for them in Champions League. True. So I think they're going to have the best performance because they have something to prove. That's my level-headed answer. Now, my actual answer is I hope every other Italian team besides Milan does fuck all in the Champions League. <laughs> Y'all can go fuck yourselves. Because I still remember 2005 that I had no friends ever telling me, oh, it was too bad you lost that. You had a 3 lead. They all laughed. Of course, so all yeah. That Carlo yeah. Garganese, we have to go for Italian teams. That you guys can do that thing. For for yeah. me, it's I hope you guys all all lose. <laughs> I'm totally hope Milan uh, wins the Champions League, yeah. but it's not going to happen. But you know, question mark. But uh, only Milan. So the rest of them can all lose. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, obviously, you know, we we cheer for different teams, but in principle, I'm with you because you always hear people say that thing of oh, we should root for all the Italian clubs, and then when <sighs> it, when, it, when, it, when it's Inter, people, you know. They banter like crazy when they go out in the group stage. And it's like, wait, exactly. hold on. I, I thought you wanted me to root for your team, but then you're going to laugh at my – no, it's not going to work that way, bros. Oh, we'll wrap it up on that note. I want to give everyone a chance to, to plug your social media, anything uh, you're working on. Jerry, I know, is always writing. You can follow him on Twitter at jmancini8. Are you writing any stories this week, Jerry? I'm actually going to write about Insigne and how he stepped up for Italy and how people kind of doubted him and – Blotti or Immobile, but I'm going to be very unbiased in my piece. So that's about it. I'm ready. I, I wrote up on the Italy game, and I actually gave some very harsh criticism to Immobile. So. Okay. Yeah, so, again, I'm not a biased Lazio fan. No, I know. Fan. I know. Not that, man. I can't. If Lazio fans don't like to hear the truth, I can't help you. That's, that's, 
pretty simple as that, man. That's about what, it for me. What about you, Jan? Anything you want to plug? Oh, just if any Milanistas want to join the Milan Club Montreal, find us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and uh, come join. Uh, we're going to have a barbecue soon uh, in I Montreal. Come on, join. Come and find. It's fun. Uh, we got some good discounts. We got some good banter. And uh, everyone's a manager in our uh, in our Milan Club WhatsApp group. So can I wear a Lazio jersey when I get there? Will I get shot? No, no, no. We welcome any any member of any other club that wants to come watch games with us at Chocharos during the year. Now that the bars are opening, come and wear your colors and get ready for some fun banter. It's all welcome. But uh, Milan fans can join up if you want. Love it. What about you, Mass? Where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, I'm at uh, Mass148 and uh, Instagram at Mass.Richo. Uh, just all things uh, football, Roma banter, and culture. That's all I'm uh, putting out there. Love it. And make sure everybody you follow our show. Um, if you're if you're watching us right now on YouTube, keep in mind you can get the audio only versions of these. Listen in the car, listen on a jog, wherever you go. Just search on any of the major platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google, we're on Amazon Podcasts. I totally forgotten we were on there, and I just saw recently. Oh wait, we're on Amazon as well. So you can just search for us at Calcho Connection. Find us on any of the major podcasting platforms. Make sure you hit a five-star rating. It really helps us out. Leave a nice review as well. And if you're listening to us, keep in mind, whenever we stream, we go live on YouTube so you can watch us and you can catch all the episodes on YouTube replay. So if you subscribe to our channel, Calcho Connection, you can get all the YouTube shows on replay. Make sure you follow us on Twitter as well at CalchoConPod. And, uh, and you can subscribe to us as well on Patreon. Now, most of the content we're doing right now on the Patreon page is interrelated. I know that may scare a few people away. It may attract some. It may scare some away. But we are running a special this month. I do daily doses of Inter on there. And we are running a special this month where every donation that we get through the Patreon page, you can subscribe for as little as three U.S. dollars a month. I'm donating all of it this month to charity. I'm giving it to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is uh, I, I looked through for a couple of weeks. I was looking through various charitable options and there were a lot of good options. It wasn't easy to decide. But since I'm, I'm a father and I'm very passionate about kids, we decided to go with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So all the donations we get uh, for the month of July all the way through August 4th will be donated in full to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So check us out there. We will talk to you guys again next time for Mass, for Jan, and for Jerry. I'm Alex. We will talk to you guys again next time on another episode of the Cultural Connection Podcast. Ciao.